Welcome to the Endless Knot Podcast, where the more we know, the more we want to find out, tracing serendipitous connections through our lives and across disciplines. Hi, I'm Avon. And I'm Mark. And today we have a very special episode for you. We've just been at the Sound Education Conference in Harvard. We mentioned that we were going to be going to it. And at that conference, we had a fabulous time. We also took some time to do a couple of interviews. With other podcasters. Exactly. So the first one is what we're going to play today, or at least part of this episode is that. We sat down and talked with Ryan of the History of Ancient Greece podcast. We had a conversation there for about 20 minutes. But of course, it was a very full, packed two days, so we didn't get as much time as we wanted to uh, record. Yes, we had to give up the room because it was time for the next session. Mm -hmm. So we picked up again a couple of days after we got home remotely. And we mentioned that when we get to that bit. And then during that recording session, as we were talking about the conference, we had some small technical difficulties <laughs> and the recording dropped and started again. So there's another sort of odd moment in between. So we're going to play all of this for you. Basically, it's a debrief of the conference and a description of what happened. We hope it's interesting if you weren't able to come to this conference about educational podcasting, or if you were able to come but only able to see some of the sessions, we can maybe report on some of them, and maybe it'll whet your appetite for coming to the conference again next year because we've been told. <laughs> it's going to happen. We're not sure of dates or anything yet, but of course we'll announce that when it happens. So enjoy. Hi, Ryan. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. It's Would you a... like some frightening blue drink? Sure. All right. I never turn down alcohol. <laughs> yeah. So this is a bit of the booze that we're going to have for our live show, live presentation, whatever it is we're doing this afternoon. I still don't know how that's going to go. So cheers. What is it called? It's called a blue moon. Oh, Okay. Doesn't make a nice clinking sound with these glasses. No, these are our camping cocktail glasses. <laughs> we are that committed to cocktails that we bring cocktail Plastic glasses. Plastic glasses camping. Oh, I camping. literally got them out of our camping cup. <laughs> with, with the weather, we should have done something stormy-related drinking. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> Nothing rain. What is in this? So it's gin and blue curacao. Okay. It's, blue. Sort of it's not. I mean, it's quite sweet. And it's yeah. the blue curacao in particular, I, I tasted a little bit before I put it in. It's really, really cheap blue curacao. And quite expensive, nice gin. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we've totally ruined the good gin because I wanted oh. to try the good gin because it was yeah. like, oh, that's a gin I've never tried before. Well, I mean, it's good because I don't usually drink gin. So mm -hmm. the fact that it's good gin means I can't really taste how bad I think gin is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's mostly taste of the blue gross out. But so anyway, so yes, this is uh, mm. blue because we're going to be talking about colors later on. Uh, so we wanted something colorful. I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she says, spilling stuff all over herself. <laughs> <clears throat> so, how's the conference been? Oh, it's it's been a lot. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, it been, really has been. It, uh, I was I was struggling yesterday because I couldn't I didn't have enough time to go get a, my afternoon coffee and I was like oh it's just like everything going on mm. I'm learning so much because you know when we do I at least me when I do podcasting I'm like I improve on my podcast but it's just mistakes that I make mm -hmm. like I don't you really, only have yeah. a feedback from your own feedback loop yeah, yeah so I don't see what really other people are doing I mean you can see what they're doing by listening to them mm -hmm. 
but that's not the same. You see you don't what get they're this... putting out, yeah. but you don't see what yeah. they're putting yeah. in, and you don't see how their process works, mm-hmm. and and yeah. I haven't quite digested it all to see how what improvements I'll make on mine yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be something that'll come when I reflect later, because I'm just now like a sponge, kind of. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brain starting to hurt. Uh, but the panels have been really good. Uh, the classics panel that I was on yesterday morning uh, was really fun. In the future, we'll probably do more of a conversation but you know it's mm-hmm. the first conference so we yeah, yeah so we're all figuring out how this is working yeah. and what what the formats yeah. were we're and the guinea pigs what makes sense yeah. yeah yeah the four of us it was uh lantern jack from ancient greece declassified rihanna and evans vampires of rome myself and zoe contest of looted podcast and we all basically just talked about how we got how our project started uh, how we've improved with them lessons mm-hmm. learned and methodology and it just ended up being like each person talking for about 15 minutes or so and right. it was a lot different than say you guys mm-hmm. is where it was more of like questions and everybody answered i think that format might have been a little better for what we were doing but you know mm-hmm. we were first one in the morning and yeah, we yeah. just get first time so yeah, yeah. and it's hard to know because none of us knew i think what like what our audiences would be or mm-hmm. whether there would be any or how many mm-hmm. people were going to be there or what they would want to know like mm-hmm. we hadn't this hasn't happened before it's an academic conference but it's also a podcasting conference and that's i mean i'm not saying there's been none none of that yet but not mm-hmm. a lot of it yeah and so I, I felt i think we all felt coming in I don't know what this is going to be. Like we didn't, when we did our first one yesterday, so we did Professor's Your Podcast as the first one and I was moderating it and sort of walked in and thought, I don't know, like it might just be the panel. Mm -hmm. And not because I thought it wasn't interesting, but because I didn't know how many people were attending. I didn't know how many people beyond the people who were on the panels were Mm -hmm. coming, Mm -hmm. like how many people were coming who weren't presenting. And also, I don't know, are most of the people who are here in academia or are almost none of the people here mm-hmm. in academia? And if you weren't, maybe you wouldn't come to this panel, right? Well, so, the professors who podcast panel was probably yeah. Well, I know, yeah. 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 but like yeah. at the conference, <laughs> yeah, are yeah, yeah, there yeah, very yeah. many yeah. other people here mm-hmm. who are Today. professors? You know, mm-hmm. that's no. uh, yesterday. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it turns out, yes, there are, but I just didn't know. So as it turned out, we had a full house mm-hmm. and it was great. And, and there was a lot of questions was, and interaction with uh, the, the people who just came to the yeah, so I sort of session, started off so. by asking questions of the mm-hmm. panel, and yep. everybody gave a few minutes talk from like just introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. But then people just started leaping in mm-hmm. with questions, and the conversation went lots of different ways, which yeah. was great. Uh, it does mean that I had a whole bunch of other questions I wanted to ask <laughs> that I didn't get to ask. I mean, everything that went on was good. It's not like it was a distraction, but I was left going, but 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 we can't be done yet because I have yeah. these things <laughs> I want to know yet. A second. Like, because the questions I wanted that, to ask were yeah. not really questions that I just thought were good discussion. They were genuine questions I had for other professor, professors who podcasted. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to know your answers. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be able to take this information back. So I've already said to several people that I, you know, if this happens again next year, which I think we all really much, really hope it does, yeah. Yeah, for sure. that I would love to be involved in, like, setting up a track mm-hmm. of a series of roundtables sort of addressing all the questions we didn't get to and some of the ones we got to but didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think there's just so much to talk about, about how to be a professor professor who podcasts, why you should, what makes it hard, how to use podcasts in class, Mm -hmm. how to use podcasting in class. Like a lot of the people on the panel um, have have their students make a podcast episode as part of an assignment. But that's a whole thing, too. Like, what? how do you do that? Like, I'd lo- I wanted to talk about, but we never got to, the mechanics of that. Mm-hmm. What I'm, kind of thing do you ask them to do? How do they do it? What equipment do they use, you know? I met a professor, I forget what department she's in, uh, this morning, but at Northwestern, and 
she teaches a class that teaches students how to make podcasts. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So I, was, I think she was probably there yesterday. And yes. I didn't. I didn't. Get I, I was like these names. I wish I had that class because yeah. you know yeah. I started and made almost every mistake possible in the first <laughs> four or five months. Yeah, yeah. I mean exactly. that would be that would have been great to know. Yeah, I mean, just to, to yeah. leapfrog some of those basic issues at the beginning Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. you still have to work Mm -hmm. your own kinks out for your own stuff but yeah well this is that several of the people on the panel are in or associated with digital media programs Mm -hmm. at their university so yeah if your university has a digital media department then you know then you teach those classes (laughs) and that's great and Mm -hmm. that's amazing but then some of them also you know don't but still have their students do podcasting so you know, then that's that's where we would be because we don't have a digital media's department. Mm-hmm. There's no particular on-campus studio or yeah. anything like that. But we we both given an option of a podcast episode to students as a final project for mm-hmm. the classes we've taught. But it's just an option, and one of the reasons it's only an option is because is anyone taking you up on that yet? Yeah, yeah. Have, I, I've had a couple people. Are they published? Uh, or are they no, just like they were just individual like MP3s sets. that were sent to you. Yeah, yeah, they. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah we shared cool. them with the rest yeah. of the class. Like mm-hmm. part of for both of us, this is the same course really that we mm-hmm. both taught. And mm-hmm. the point there is that they have to produce something that can be shared with everybody else. They can be posted online so that everyone else in the class can see Did it. They pr- I would hope that they at least personally like put it on a blog or something. Well, we, we, had, a course, works, we yeah. had a course blog. We had a course. I don't know what they did with it afterwards. Oh, okay. But they were very the one they the ones that made it for me were very like course specific. Oh, they were, okay. I don't know that yeah. they would have been. It was just one episode gotcha, and one gotcha. thing. But that's part of the thing. Wouldn't it be nice to actually have students produce something that was a piece that could be shared with the wider public and would make sense to them? It, were you they know, all the, different topics? Yeah, you could do class a classroom podcast yeah. and put all their episodes. Yeah, up so and I, like one little thread sort of thing. Well, if you were gonna, yeah, if everybody does, if you yeah, were gonna yeah, do the yeah. podcast, yeah. then you could then string them together into a series. Yeah, well, so that's what I, like I'd love to do that sometime in a class, like mm-hmm. sort of say, and maybe over the course of the class, because you could do we no, you can only you can do a, like a five or ten minute episode. It doesn't have to be big and long. Yeah, so you yeah. could. That's totally, what Dan Carlin said today. It's like podcasting is you can do whatever you yeah. want and you're not beholden to anyone. Obviously, they would be beholden to what you're... Yeah, Actually, but, it's a little different. They'd be beholden yeah, to yeah. what you tell them they them can limits. and cannot do. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but we could yeah. choose any limits yeah. that would make sense for the class. <laughs> and we could... And somebody could do longer episodes if they wanted. Mm-hmm. But we could, you know, you, I always try to make it as unintimidating as possible mm-hmm. for a student. And yeah, Well, you you're not going to tell them make a six-hour episode <laughs> from the show. <laughs> yeah, and it has to have music and it has to have... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you could do something in a class where, for instance, instead of... Because I get students to do blog posts... On, uh, for several mm-hmm. of my classes, you could instead build it in where it wasn't just a final project, but where along the way, you know, one student had to produce one episode per week, like a student per week had mm-hmm. to do an episode that was, you know, a summary of an article or a response to a reading or mm-hmm. you have set questions, whatever. And then those get strung together and then that goes up. And then the next time you teach that course, that's part of your teaching material. Mm-hmm. Like now the next students listen to that and then do their own something else. Mm-hmm. But all of that needs scaffolding. Like you need, if you're going to ask the whole class to do it, you have to give them the equipment resources. and resources to yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's very, very basic, there has to be somewhere. You can't just say, go off and do it, figure it out for yourself, you know? <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff I'd really love to talk about in much more depth. And we touched on it, but we just didn't have time to talk about a lot of it. But it was still really cool to talk, to hear from other professors mm-hmm. and what they're doing. I was... And it's kind of along that same vein. I was kind of sure. I wasn't sure how formal or informal this was going to be, mm-hmm. and it seems it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But because I wasn't sure, because pos- podcasting itself 
is pretty informal. Yeah. I mean, there are professional podcasters, and that's Mm -hmm. not informal. Mm -hmm. And they're represented here as well. But for the vast majority of podcasts, they're pretty informal. And then we're doing a conference at one of the most hallowed institutions in America. Yeah, Yeah. at the Divinity School. At the Divinity School. (laughs) So I wasn't sure... What to what that meant? Yes, yeah. I was like, it's a Harvard conference. Yeah. Does that mean are there Harvard conference rules? Yeah. And I don't even know what those rules would yeah. be, but like, are there, or is it a podcasting conference? And yeah, yeah so I you're know. taking something that's intuitively informal because mm-hmm. it's a do-it-yourself project, mm-hmm. and especially for those of us yeah, who are independent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then you're at this such formal institution, and then I think the way the com- combination of it. It has some kinks, no doubt, but I, I think this is going to work out if they keep like this. Yeah, I think it's I've learned quite a good. lot yeah. so far, and I just the community in general, just meeting new people. I mean, I don't yeah. listen to a whole lot of non-history podcasts that are uh, like like, but that I've met a lot that I'm like, yeah. well, they're on the list eventually. Like science yeah. podcasts, I'm like, that is interesting. Actually, science yeah. podcasts is something I don't have. The only Zero. thing I listen to is Quirks and Quirks, which is a CBC mm-hmm. radio program, but they said put it out as a yeah. podcast. That's the only science I have really. Yeah. No, that's not true. I also listen to one called Ph Drinking, <laughs> where um, someone interviews PhD students. Now, they aren't only in science, but she's in science, so she has a tendency to mm-hmm. talk, and they, she interviews them about their work, and they have a drink. So, as you can see, I obviously approve of that as a style. <laughs> so, I do listen to that, but that's the only other one I think that I listen to that's routinely science-based. You used to and listen I w- to a few, yeah, but I would... I Still, I'm listening to any. Yeah, so I wouldn't. That would be something I'd like. I wouldn't yeah. mind filling in a little. I can give you the list of the ones that I found yeah. that might be interesting. Mm. Yeah, I've seen. Well, I I've can't seen a couple. Them. I just well, wrote them the down, science, yeah. obviously, of course, is the one. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, have, uh, you introduced us to the person who does that, and that's Chad history Davies. of yeah. history of science, and that is totally in my yes. wheelhouse. Yeah. Actually, so. that I would it's, really it's, like to add that it's yeah. the history of science and all, the history of scientific thought. Mm. So and the, the philosophy behind it. So it's both scientific and historical. Very good. Chad Davies does that. There's a few others that I've learned about this. Like there's an astronomy their podcast mm-hmm. yeah astronomy cast i think yeah cool. but but yeah and i just like meeting the people mm-hmm. i like meeting the people that i already know yeah for and sure i like meeting yeah. the people that i don't know Those people that you know virtually it's yeah. really yeah. cool yeah uh, well, i don't think i have actually okay so i've met i think there's two people here that are podcasters that i've ever met in real life right, right. right. doug i've met doug mm-hmm. Metzger of literature and history and rob sims of history in the making mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody else you only everybody knew else I knew yeah. from Twitter or Facebook, and it's really cool to mm-hmm. put a face, an actual face, to well, the, the images voice. you might see yeah, or yeah. the voice, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and communicate with them in person, and just you know, the communities together because mm-hmm. you know podcasting. And Doug talked about this a little bit in his keynote speech yesterday morning. Podcasting is such a very lonely mm-hmm. uh, endeavor because it's, it's just yeah. you. You're teaching, mm-hmm. but you're not. There's but no you interacting. Just, yeah, yeah, you don't get the yeah. feedback. Yeah, especially. I mean, you guys are at least have each yeah, other. Yeah, Especially me, I'm literally here with a yeah. microphone, and yeah. I have my dog by my foot. Yeah, yeah and, <laughs> and that's, that's your only audience. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I'm just talking into the mic. I'm yeah. sure my neighbors think I'm a weirdo uh, <laughs> because I, nobody ever responds to my like anything. Yeah, you're I say. having a conversation. Yeah, I'm having a conversation. About, yeah. So it's very it's a very lonely endeavor, and then you spend hours upon hours just editing what you're doing yeah. with yeah. your micro with your headphones yeah. in your uh, on your head. So it, it's cool to come together and not only just learn from people, but just to see. Uh, just to, the, the way community. other people yeah. are doing things. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, one of the you know highlights for me so far was just going out to dinner last night. And I knew it would be because it always is. Mm-hmm. Like meeting people and talking with people at mm-hmm. any conference, all academic mm-hmm. conferences for me, it's always about seeing people. That's the, I mean, you do the learning and the learning is good, but seeing and meeting and, and just sitting around last night and all, and like you share the things that bother you or the things mm-hmm. that are hard yeah. or the things that are fun. Mm-hmm. And someone else at the table says, 
Oh yeah, I've had totally. That's so like whatever. I had yeah. this happen. That's yeah. the same, and yeah. you think. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Not just me. Yeah, not just me. I'm not screwing everything yeah, up, actually. Yeah, I'm not just making it all mess up, or my audience isn't the only one that thinks X, mm-hmm. or... Everyone has the same foibles, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, or, or a similar pattern yeah. of problems, yeah. or whatever. And, and it's neat seeing, you know, this community kind of gelling, you know, yeah. before our eyes, um, of, you know... Educational. All yeah. educational podcasters, you know, together, and, you know, doing mm-hmm. a... a mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously not all of the ones in not the world. Not all the ones but in the world, but everyone here is, is interested in educational mm-hmm. podcasting. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, people are meeting each other and, you know, communities setting are up, forming. Setting and, up networks that are going yeah. to, and I don't, like informal networks informal that networks are going that. to continue past this if mm-hmm. they haven't mm-hmm. already been established. And you get people that are that are showing up that are podcasters. They're not even on panels or giving talks mm-hmm. either. They're yeah. actually just coming to listen, which is even cooler. Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. just you're coming because you're going to be. Doing because something, you're doing something because you're talking at Harvard. Yeah, yeah. Like, so why people are actually yeah. coming to listen to people mm-hmm. talking at Harvard to learn. Yeah, uh, yeah. so it, it is. It's a give and take sort of uh, mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. It's it's been a lot of fun. Uh, the talks have been tremendous, uh, mm-hmm. and the panels. Your guys' the linguistics panel was so much fun. You guys had such a good rapport. Um, yeah, just, that was, that you, was I good, actually kind of have people. to be uh, that type of way to do linguistics. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be what? Yeah. Good and nice and yeah. good at talking? You have yeah. to be funny. You have to be funny. And, well, to make linguistics. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Not that it's not. No, but I think that's going to be actually, that's but, actually going to be, I mean, it's actually not surprising that that's a feature of all these panels because everybody here is taking something that in some way is considered dry by somebody mm-hmm. out there and, and yeah. trying to make it interesting to people who aren't necessarily interested in it right yeah. like that's literally what educational podcasting is mm-hmm. whatever the kind of education whether it's curriculum based and school based or mm-hmm. totally just general knowledge or whatever so what mean that means is there's we've got a whole bunch of people giving panels who are all good at communicating complicated ideas in interesting ways mm-hmm. so unsurprisingly the panels have been pretty good mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like that's a good set up for it to mm-hmm. happen so, and a yeah. common theme with most of the podcasters that talk about their experience is oh i started this podcast and i thought it would just be a handful of enthusiasts listening yeah to me. just the niche people the niche people like me with the grease thing. i was like who else well, really cares i thought about this? i thought the most people would listen to it were grad students for comps mm-hmm. uh, right. because that, be like i know a lot of people that yeah. listen mm-hmm. to mike duncan's rome podcast for that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to learn about rome it was a useful way to keep keep yeah philologists trying to learn history at the not, yeah. I don't want to say last minute, but no, but trying to get for cram in yeah. a bunch of stuff so, that is tangential yeah. to what they're really yeah. learning. So yeah. I thought, I thought, oh, that's they'll do that for Greek history, yeah. and then I was and like, that's useful. And, that'll be great. And it'll be useful because I learned Greek history, and I can at least help other people right. since I'm no longer in the field. And then you get like people in like 170ish countries around the world. It's like we're listening because your Greek history is fun, and I never mm-hmm. knew it before. And I'm like, mind blown, yeah. like yeah. like that type of reach. Yeah, like you, like you're saying, you you are communicating something to people who are not traditionally who haven't had an interest in something, and now they have an interest, or they had a generalized interest yeah. that oh, that's a thing I kind of am interested in, but have never up to this point mm-hmm. had the chance to, mm-hmm. or the time to, or whatever to deeply pursue it, mm-hmm. um, because you know when you're at school, if you have the ch- are lucky enough to go to school for you know grad, uh, university or whatever. It's a really tiny window. You don't know when you're doing it how lucky you are mm-hmm. to have this time to... Because at the time, it just seems hellish. <laughs> but, you know, you have the luck, you have the chance <laughs> to pursue this. Once you're out of school, though, for most people, you never get the chance to deep dive on stuff anymore. Time, life takes over and you can't do it. And I think that's one of the things people find so wonderful about these podcasts, like yours and, and so many others, is they can fit it in to the bits of their life. Mm-hmm. 
that they never really get to do usually. Yeah, so. you can listen to podcasts when you're uh, folding your laundry yeah. or yeah. walking yeah. your dog. As people keep saying. <laughs> I, I, I do. Well, yeah. I, oh, I do every. I do all the housework. The only reason I do any housework at all is because I listen exactly. to podcasts. If I didn't couldn't listen to podcasts, I wouldn't do any housework. Yeah, very I, little anyway. I would yeah. wear dirty clothes and my laundry would never get done. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where we Zoom virtually back to our homes and pick up the conversation again from different parts of the world. Drinking different drinks, of course. Of course. All right. So we are resuming this conversation a little bit later. <laughs> uh, it is now, oh, I don't even know. Oh, Tuesday. That's right. It's election day. We're ignoring the election and recording remotely because we weren't able to finish our discussion on Saturday due to the overabundance of things to do. <laughs> too much stuff to do. So we thought we'd finish off just debriefing. And of course, we have fresh drinks. Oh, yes, of course we do. <laughs> or at least we do. Ryan, are, do you, did you get yourself something since we can't offer you anything at this point? I have a glass of wine. <laughs> that is very moderate and restrained of you. <laughs> and appropriate. Well, in honor of you, I'm just having a glass of mastija, which is a Greek ah, liqueur yeah, right. made with mastic, flavored with mastic, and uh, some lemon and an ice cube. I have red wine. That's a color. <laughs> That's a color. Very good. There you go. See, perfect. Uh, and Mark? I have a vodka martini, which, so, yeah, the, it's like a James Bond drink. So, you know, you're a spy, right? <laughs> That's appropriate. <laughs> Very much. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So, yes, we, we went with a little looser uh, um, organization of, of, of drinks tonight. <laughs> and I'm also coming down with a cold, which is a clear legacy of the conference. Mm -hmm. It's um, a time-honored tradition of yes. getting the conference cold. Conference cred. Yep. Yeah, my throat is a little uh, sore. <laughs> well, I was definitely very um, throaty and raspy after yeah. the weekend but that was in part from just talking too much in too many loud places but today it, <laughs> it, it went another degree all right so when we last spoke <laughs> we were talking about the panels that we ourselves sat on or moderated but what i thought we could do now is we don't need to go through like session by session every other panel we each saw but maybe we can talk about what the highlights you know particular uh things that stood out uh, panels that you particularly enjoyed talks that you particularly enjoyed and then we can talk about our own talks briefly so ryan what panels did you want to highlight or well the only other panel that i went to other than mine and yours right. <laughs> was one other <laughs> um, that you guys were involved in mm -hmm. um the history panel uh it was very informative it was it was neat to see some a couple of the podcasters like Patrick Wyman that I know from social media and I've listened to his podcast. Mm -hmm. But overall, I kind of felt like I didn't get a whole lot out of it uh, just because it was more geared towards those less, or I guess I should say less geared towards independent podcasters and more geared towards like um, the methodology and the podcasts that have professional backing. Um, which are great. They do a good job, but it just, I felt like the, I mean, other than like listening to what they had to say, it's just, I don't know, me individually, I didn't get much out of it. Other people, maybe. Yeah. You couldn't apply it to what you were doing as well. Yeah. But a lot of, yeah, a lot of it was 
oh, we have four PhDs, like the backstory. They're like, oh, we have four PhDs that do American history and they talked about their story and how they're they're backed by financial uh they're it's just they have a huge budget with re- researchers and producers and all that sort of stuff and i was like right. man i wish i had producers and researchers <laughs> <laughs> yeah not so much researchers because i actually enjoy the research and i don't think i can do a podcast where i wasn't the one putting everything together but i definitely would like an audio uh, like a sound producer <laughs> or sound engineer whatever they're called <laughs> <laughs> I should also caveat that mm-hmm. as well with that room was super bright and I had developed a headache at that point. <laughs> so maybe my attention span wasn't as quite as good as it should mm-hmm. be. I guess I should backtrack and talk about who the panelists were. <laughs> so it was a backstory, which is it's a professional podcast, uh, radio style s- stuff with uh, PhDs are all the hosts. Um, and then there is... Ben Franklin's World, which is also mm-hmm. sponsored by a university, or Liz Cal- Covert mm-hmm. has. Uh, she, uh, I believe, she's at William and Mary. She has a position where, like, she does a podcast with the university. Yeah. It wasn't like that initially. And then Patrick Wyman is with w- Wandery. He does Tides of History. His podcast is really good. Um, so it's those three are like professional big company or universities. They have backings, that sort of stuff. And then you have. Then you have Emily Prokop, who does the story behind. I felt bad for her uh, quite a bit on the panel because most because she was everyone's like, "Oh, we have all all so and so and so," and she's like, "I do this all by myself." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. It was it was it was funny, but um, the contrast was glaring. I should say, I feel like it. They could have did it like a more of an even even split. It felt mm-hmm. like most of the the questions were lobbed at, and it's not her fault or their fault. It was felt like most of the questions at the panel were lobbed towards like the professional, quote unquote, professional podcasters. Yeah. And like, and, and since that's not me, I mean, I feel like I am a professional in what I do, but not in a professional. You don't have professional resources. Of, yeah. Yeah, resources. Uh, I felt like I don't know, didn't get a whole as much out of that as I would have liked, um, considering I do a history podcasting panel, but. It was it was great to uh, see people that uh, whose podcast I listen to, like Patrick and Emily's. Yeah, I I think um, one of the things that I want to propose going forward to next year, because we've just received an email saying that they're definitely planning for next year, which is great. That uh, I really do think there should be a, at least one panel, maybe a set of panels about sort of living independently, like being aimed at and with both big and small independent podcasters who are do it entirely by themselves or maybe two people like big and small meaning like people Mm -hmm. with lots of listeners and people with not very many listeners on the same panel talking about what they do and giving tips and tricks and commiserating like I think that would be something because I agree that there Mm -hmm. was there were a fair number of times when I felt like the things that were being talked about were applicable to as you say professional or large teams or whatever and not so much to the independent podcasters. And the thing is, it's the independent people who don't have people to help them already. All the big, te- the people with the big teams mm-hmm. have big teams. <laughs> so it's good for them to get together. I'm not saying it isn't, but uh, it's not as absolutely desperately necessary for them to find somebody else to talk to. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I It was great to learn from them, but uh, I there was most of the other panels I was at. There was a pretty even split, so I, I don't want. No, that it's to just something to think about going for going it wasn't into like next that. year. It was just on that one panel. Yeah. So, um, Mark, what else did you see on the Friday? 
Because well, we also only saw one other panel yeah. each. <laughs> I mean, I think the other thing that we haven't talked about is like the keynotes. Oh, that's true. And yes. the, the Friday keynote, I thought, was really oh, good. Yeah. I learned mm -hmm. a lot of stuff from that. The the morning one? or The morning one. Right. So we yeah. went to different morning keynotes. Mm -hmm. um, okay, Mark, tell us about the keynote you saw then. So, well, first of all, there was uh, Diane Moore. Yes. And she... We both... We saw that one as well. Yes. Yeah. So they split, just for people listening... I guess they had so many people they wanted to talk that they couldn't do them all. So they split us into two for the opening keynote. And Diane Moore spoke at both. for, And, and then somebody else did the other keynote mm -hmm. in each. And I thought one of the, the points that Diane made that I thought was really good was about um, why podcasts in particular work the way that they do because it's audio only. Mm -hmm. And it makes you focus mm. on one, you know, one sense, right? You're right, only one getting element, yeah. one element and mm -hmm. therefore requires, it, it kind of gets the listener to be more active in the process, right? You're, you're, right. you're more engaged because you have to sort of, you fill in the rest, you fill you're in filling the rest. In stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I thought that was a really good point yeah, and I something agree. that podcasters should keep in mind. Yeah. As opposed to video, for instance. Yeah. Um, and I suppose in a similar way to what text does, where you have to fill in right. visuals and audio. So you're, you're filling. Yeah. No, I thought that was really good. I liked her talk a lot as well. She um, spoke about um, empowering agency as mm -hmm. one of the things that we, so she talked about critical education mm -hmm. and why podcast, how podcasting can be involved with that. And I didn't bring my notes with me, so I don't, because I did write them down, but empowering agency in the listener <laughs> And inspiring empathy were two of the things that she said the podcasting was particularly good at. And I agree. The agency, because you're such an, mm -hmm. as you say, you're, you're actively participating in listening and creating the experience. And there's such a strong link. And then empathy, because of that strong link to a human voice, which is so crucial. And we respond differently to a human voice than we would to any other way of being educated. And then there was one more, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> she had three points I, I i did take a bunch of notes and i am going to sit down and look through them again mm -hmm. they were more about sort of philosophical approaches to what you want to do with education right than they were with anything technical but i mm -hmm. thought that was a really nice way to start off they'll also be up on eventually they'll get loaded yes. so you can go back and look back able to re-listen yeah. i didn't take as many detailed notes on some of the keynotes mm -hmm. as i would have liked knowing that I would be able to listen to them again. I was trying to... Just be there in the room. Yeah. Absorb it. Yeah, absorb it, which was great then, and I learned a lot then, but my recall right now is like, uh. <laughs> Yeah. I, I sort of went back and forth. So I took good notes that first session, and then it sort of went back and forth. Yeah. yeah same with me. <laughs> and then who was the other... But Liz, Liz. Covart was yeah, talking. Yeah, Liz Covart was, talked in the, in the second part, and she gave uh, a really good history of educational sound recordings so mm -hmm. she i mean it wasn't just podcast she went right back to early radio right which is really fascinating mm -hmm. and so she sort of traced the steps of the development and focused particularly on you know the kind of institutional uh stuff that was connected to universities or colleges universities or, or private corporation or you know who was doing the material and what that, you know, kind of how that directed the history and how it went. And so, yeah, early on, there were some universities 
involved one in particular, uh, University of Nebraska in the 20s hmm. did uh, classes over radio and you right. could, right. Yeah. it was yeah. like a MOOC, basically. Yeah. Uh, you could uh, have actually graded material and so forth. Right, right. Hmm. And they got kind of crowded out by the kind of corporate world. Mm. So, you know, these, those, those kind, that kind of programming got relegated to poor time slots or poor frequencies that didn't carry very far. Right, right, right. Because they weren't making money in the same way that commercial shows could make, right? And then when the networks got involved, they didn't turn to the universities to produce the content. They did their own sort of in-house stuff. Right. Or, you know, the American networks would turn to state-run stuff from outside of the US. Mm. So they would buy programming from the CBC or the BBC. Interesting. Yeah. Because there was state-run programming in those countries exactly. and not yeah. in the US and because the US, the US doesn't time. do that. No. There's still not state-run stuff. No. I mean no, NPR no, is not state-run. Even even NPR is not state-run. Yeah. So I mean it may be mm -hmm. supported through some in some places through mm -hmm. taxes and stuff, but it's not a state-run broadcaster. Yeah, and so I guess that that history kind of explains why I don't know if it fully explains why I, I, I don't I don't know. But, you know, it is the reality that universities today are kind of dragging their feet on, you know, embracing. They, they have not had a, a continuous tradition of audio education. No, they had they yeah. had one, yeah. mm -hmm. it would have been easier to transition directly into podcasting as the medium as the technology yeah. changed. But yeah. they got out of that business. That's actually something that uh, Liz brought up on the history panel that mm -hmm. we just talked about. Like she actually was thinking that uh, projecting in the future that universities will get into the game more now that it's becoming popular. But then Patrick pushed back on that and was talking about like that may be true, but they missed they the, missed boat the boat. Yeah, I really four do. or five years. Yeah, they missed the chance that they could have harnessed it. Now you have these big media companies that have a hold of it. I mean, great. I mean, people are academics and people affiliated with universities will be able to use it for public outreach and that's great but if you're going to harness it for the the media power that it could have they've missed the boat yeah. on that and that was the point that uh, that really i kind of resonated that I, yeah. it sticks in my head obviously so yeah no i agree i think i think there was there was an opportunity for them to sort of take to to say we're going to like for individual universities to have said we're going to make a hub. We're going to be a hub for people. We're going to put resources behind it and we're going to get professors involved and we're going to do some courses that way, but we're also going to do a bunch of sort of public facing stuff. And we're going to figure out how to make it count as scholarship by like having people review podcast episodes to make sure they're not horrible and like, they, you know, set up the mechanisms for mm -hmm. that and make it part of what a professor can do as part of their scholarship and then make it a thing that, oh, when you just, you think, oh, I need an, I want to find out if there's anything interesting on an 18th century American history. Well, obviously I'll go check the university that, that has the history hub, you know, that could have been a thing, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And now it's not sure. going to be, even if universities get much more behind it and they, they yeah. can certainly take up space in the realm now. It's not, that's not a missed opportunity, but, but they can't be the leaders, the leaders no. it's, it, that's passed them by. And that's too bad. Yep. And I think it's important to point out that certainly some of that blame, you know, goes to administrations, mm -hmm. but it's also as much the fault of senior faculty who yeah. are suspicious of 
you know. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is, it, and the individual responsibility should be borne, but also those senior faculty were constructed by a world like yeah. it's it's a it's circular a systemic thing. problem. It's a sy- systemic yeah. problem. It's not just individuals, mm-hmm. but but people didn't. Not enough people tried, you know, broke that mold or yeah. pushed back hard enough early on. You know, I mean, it's it's sort of easy to blame administrators, and mm-hmm. certainly there are there. Oh, are I don't blame, blame administrators. I blame. I do. I mean, I always yeah. blame administrators, <laughs> but but <laughs> in, in more sort of blame almost the institutional inertia, inertia, and yeah. the whole basic premise of peer-reviewed scholarship and tenure and promotion, and just how difficult all those things are. But yes, you're right. People who haven't weren't in favor of public scholarship even when it was done in other media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. They they did not make things better. Well, interestingly, the the speaker who we had in some ways did also talked about some history, but he talked more about history online of scholarship and academia online. Oh, okay. And so he went back to blogging. Oh, yeah, which certainly had its day. Yeah, and and he talked about how, and I've forgotten his name. Oh no, I haven't. It's Dan Cohen. Yeah, Dan Cohen. Dan Cohen, and he spoke mm-hmm. about how. When blogging started and when academics embraced blogging, which obviously, again, not all of them did hmm. by any means, but those who did, blogs performed this really valuable service of what he called pulling back the curtain on academic work by demonstrating mm-hmm. the process as well as the final result and removing the, uh, he, he talked about how uh, when you write for journals and for academic scholarship, you're trained to obfuscate everything that comes before the final result. The whole point is mm-hmm. you're like, here is this brilliant thought and here is this support for it. But none of the, here's how I came to that brilliant thought. Right. Here's, here's the work and here's all the mistakes I made. And here's all the, and, and what was nice was that he, he didn't, he seemed to me to be talking from a humanities perspective, which was nice because it's easy to talk about those things from a science, like here's the 15 failed experiments I did. But from a humanities perspective, the sort of struggle that you Well, face, he is a professor of history and a... Yeah, no, exactly. So he was coming from that perspective. So it was easy for me to kind of feel, you know, connected to what he was saying. But he said that blogging was a way that people, like they talked about ideas as they were forming and they wrote about the writing process and they wrote about their journal, you know, submissions and their rejections and their this is and their that's and their teaching and all of this pulling back the curtain, humanizing the process of academia, making it real and removing that authorial um, uh, expertise sort of speaking from on high mm-hmm. that comes when you just have a the result and not the, the process and making it clear that academics are just people helping to at least advance the notion that academics are not some specially gifted sort of people who can do this, but people who put, he, ta- he used the analogy of magic tricks. A magic trick you can do because you put in literally hundreds of hours. How did he phrase it? You have put more time, practice time in than seems humanly possible. You have practiced it 18 hours a day. And while that is technically possible, it doesn't seem like anyone could have done that. So that even if you're told how the trick has done, it's still impressive because the sheer perfection of the skill. Mm. And he said, the thing is, you know, what scholarship is, is often a magic trick where you don't see the hundreds of hours of practice, you only see the end result. But the blogs pulled back the curtain on the practice. And so then he said, you know, the point of that is to take us forward into podcasting. That's what podcasts can do. That's what podcasts can now do. We don't blog so much anymore. But podcasts allow you to to tell the story behind the final result 
in all sorts of different ways. I mean, he was talking in particular about he does interviews with authors of books and 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 finds ways to sort of get them to humanize their results and things. But it, I think that that's a larger point. And I thought that was really good. Mm. Um, it was really well phrased and it it was very, it kept being coming up. People kept coming, bring, who'd been at that talk, kept bringing up that metaphor of pulling back the curtain or not, or to what, how much you want to do that in any given podcast. And I thought it was really good. And yet I, yeah. you know, I remember getting questioned rather critically about blogging Oh yeah, when I was on the job market. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I mean, you're, in the same way that people have been critical about podcasting. Oh yeah, blogging was not by any means accepted by no, everyone. No. But he was he was coming at it from the perspective of you know here's why blogging was great and this is why podcasting is. He was speaking to people who already like podcasting. Yes, he was speaking right. to podcasters. He yeah. was not he was not making the argument to non podcasters about why you should podcast. Mm -hmm. He was, I think, trying to help us coalesce in our head what it is that's special about podcasting. Right why it's different than scholarship mm -hmm. in other forms he was he talked about genre a lot right and how you know podcast blogging was a genre mm -hmm. and now podcasting is another genre and scholarship is itself another genre and why you need to think about how podcasting differs from formal scholarship so that you can do it well so right. he wasn't trying to mm -hmm. make the case to people who didn't believe academics should podcast right. he was making the case to people who do about what they're doing and trying and i felt it was helpful to me to help me coalesce what it is that we're doing right and he talks about um i mean you guys have this expert uh in in your fields and your pot and you bring that to the podcast but he he differentiated the the difference between academic the academic side of the things and the public history sort of podcasting side of the things because in the academic side it's you you have footnotes you're mm -hmm. basically trying to impress your peers yeah. we're on the podcasting public history side of it it's 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 more about not it's more about putting it in you're using words that you wouldn't use on the academic side you're making it more accessible and more human sounding yeah. <laughs> so to speak well i mean i'm getting better at it now at first i was really terrible where i was very academically sounding and now it's more more geared towards i don't want to say layman but people more of a story where you can break it down mm -hmm. where if i were to write a paper about it i would not use the type of words and the type of phrases and the type of just the way i would describe it it would be a little more structured and you you wouldn't have to explain things as much because it would be understood that these that people mm -hmm. understand that your audience your peers would understand exactly what you're telling them yeah like i don't have to yeah go off on these ex explanation of digressions <laughs> But then it wouldn't be your podcast. <laughs> so he was he, he was talking about he interviewed someone about nanotechnology for his podcast. And he was trying to get her to explain it, but not in a way that you would explain it in academic somebody setting. else who also knew about nanotechnology. Yeah, exactly. So he or get her to describe what she would do in a day at, mm -hmm. in a lab. And um, I don't know what her name was. I didn't write it, but I guess just listen to his podcast. Anyway, um, and she digressed into a discussion of how making nanosensors actually looks a lot like making salad dressing. So you're like literally mixing various oils and ingredients together to make the right blend. And then you shake it and it and it like comes together into these little tiny things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he's and he's like I can understand this now and you're it's and you're laughing at it and it's you would never see that explanation <laughs> happen in like an article or something you can you can explain things better on an audio form podcast you can make it relatable and understandable that was his whole point yeah exactly so he was a, an example of how he took he was trying to sort of humanize 
this really interesting, incredible work that was being done. But normally when it's written about and communicated, it's communicated to other people who already know how the technology works, people who already know how to do most of it. And that's just communicating the one new thing. And that doesn't work for communicating to a general audience who don't already know all the other stuff. Exactly. Yeah, no, I so I thought that started everything off on a really nice note. Right, yeah. You both both it sounds like yours as well, but yeah. ours definitely I was I felt mm. quite sort of inspired that we were doing good stuff, you know, yeah. as a group yeah. walking mm -hmm. out of there. Well, it's a good thing we we split uh mm -hmm. our forces on those. You and I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah no, that's that was what we had a we had a grand plan to do that for all of the sessions, but two of the sessions we were both well I could have not gone to the language and linguistics one because I wasn't on that panel. Yeah, but yeah. I really did like hearing from the other people. It was good. It was, it was good a good panel. panel. So yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so the the one o'clock session or whatever you didn't go to because you were recording with Lexitecture, which you will we will tell you all about that when it comes out, that podcast mm -hmm. where you did the recording with them. Okay, what did you do? What did you see? I went to the panel on ethics. Oh, podcasting and ethics. I did want to hear about that, actually. Did... Well, it kind of made me feel bad about myself. <laughs> no, some of it was like, it was like the ethics of like um, being transparent about your uh, sources, uh, transparent about how you go about it. And it was also ethics involved with mon monetizing the podcast. It, it was a good discussion, but I, again, I don't feel like I got much out of it simply because because well i do have a patreon and i do run ads and i do make money off of it and the one guy and the one guy was like the guy asked a question he's like what do you guys feel about running ads from audible because they have amazon and they're backed by amazon and they do have terrible worker benefits and i was like well i run ads from audible <laughs> i was like oh yeah so it was more sort of about like how you should do financing and that sort of thing was it? Was that the ethical points they were focused on? It seemed like only one of them on the panel was like a humanities education based podcaster. Okay. It looked like one of them was like a current news education sort of uh, podcaster. Right. And then the other one was doing science. She uh, or she has a master's in biology and she's basically her podcast. And I, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Something about Zika and. Oh, OK, right. Anyway, she uh she's taking questions that people want to know, and then she takes like takes the science questions and breaks it down into episodes that people can understand it better. Okay. And like her thing about ethics was, or she, they were talking about like um, monetizing it, and I guess her opinion was she was against it because you know we already with our taxpayer dollars pay for the science information. Right. So, okay. Yeah. It, she should, she feels like it shouldn't be something that you have to pay again for this information be, just because we're not providing it in a layman type of understanding for people to to get okay yeah no okay so so yeah so i mean those are those are important questions but not going to be as applicable to every podcaster necessarily yeah it wasn't a waste of time it was a fun discussion i just i mean it was a fun interesting discussion it was it was interesting to hear other people's takes mm -hmm. on it but it wasn't anything that was applicable to me because you know yeah, well, I mean, it, and also it's a different context. Like, I could imagine asking the question, yeah. if you are, say, a professor who is supported by your university to produce a podcast, would it then be reasonable to run ads? I think that's a different situation, right? You know, that's... I would say that would have been great to have that sort of different views on the panel as well. There wasn't... They're all independent right. podcasters. So then you're, 
uh, yeah, asking different questions. So, you know, these things, it's good to hear different perspectives mm. and then to keep moving forward. I think a lot of questions that were raised this weekend need to keep being addressed. Like, I don't think there was a lot of things where we were like, all right, done and dusted. We figured that one out. We're done. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was very much about bringing conversations together to start conversations mm -hmm. rather than to sort of figure out where we're at. So, yeah. yeah, yeah so sure. I didn't go to anything at one. But I think you must have done what because you weren't with me. I was. No, I went to community building. That's community what I went to. Building. I went to community building. And it was a little bit like what you've been talking about, Ryan. It was interesting, but basically everyone on the panel was like, the way I build community for my podcast is I go out in person and I do live shows and I meet my audience. What's their definition of community? Well, I mean, that's where like, they sort of started with would... community is uh, one person said community. You know what the, the moderator asked, what's the difference between community and marketing? And they said marketing is where you get your brand in front of people so that they'll go check out your podcast. But community is where it's interactive, where you are giving them something and they're giving you something back and you are responsive to. And one of them said they had a very, very sort of strict definition community which is community are only those people who care enough about you that they will do something for, you know they'll bring you soup if you're sick and that might be a virtual thing but something equivalent to that so that's a very you know that's a very tight view yeah. of community where there's mutual what this isn't mayberry <laughs> well <laughs> maybe it could be that i mean that person was somebody who runs a chaplaincy podcast that was harry potter and the sacred text so obviously that community which is about how cha chaplaincy works is going to have a different interaction with its community than some are going to. But even so, like one of the other persons was the astronomy cast person. Another person was Renaissance history, English re Renaissance history. So, you know, they weren't all podcasts like that, but they still basically, essentially they all said, well, the only way to build communities to get out and face to face and meet people. And I thought, no, I know we're how talking, to build community yeah. face to face. I'm good we're at talking that. About podcasts. Here. Yeah, like yeah, if I if I could get face to face with people who listen to my podcast, I could build community with them. That I know how to do that. We're humans, we're good at that. What I need to know is like how do you do it? How when do you you're, do it when you can't when meet you them can't face to face? Them when you're podcasting from you know, a a small remote place. Well, and also place how or... do you get to Christine was there from um putting on history and she said, you know, but how do you, but you can't get out and do live shows and meet people face to face until you have an audience that wants that from you. That's true. You know, yeah. So you how need do you to, do it when you're smaller? So how do you do podcast. it when you're smaller? How do you develop a community who's interested in meeting you face to face? Now, there was some discussion of some of the other, they talked about what platforms they were on and they talked about how they, you know, what kind of rules they develop for how much they react or interact with mm. or respond to people. And, you know, but a lot of it was sort of, here's how I keep my boundaries strict and here's how I protect myself against troll. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of people who have large communities talking about how they manage dealing mm. with their communities. That was not building. Mm. And they talked a little bit, each of them about how that started, but not, they all had very difficult to replicate origin stories right? <laughs> that, that didn't really translate. Was there another panel on podcast growth or was this that one as well? No, there was another one about podcast okay. growth. This was okay. very much about community okay. building. It, was not, it wasn't about audience growth. Okay. It was about how you sort of build the, I mean, obviously they are connected and we did talk, they did talk about how those, those elements are connected, but it was more about how you build a, a and so they, one of the things that I thought was useful was they said, one of the things when you're building the community is you want to find a way to build a community who can speak to one another. Be, who, who meet because of you but who meet with one another 
So whether that's like a Slack community or a Facebook page or a Facebook group or a, on Twitter through hashtags or they meet, they do meetups in cities or like whatever they do. If all they're doing is interacting with you, it's not a community. If they're interacting with one another, then, and it's facilitated by you in some form, either actively or just because you're the focus of interest that they find their commonality, then that's a community. And I, that, I mean, I think that that's a, a really good way to think about it and makes a lot of sense, but I still don't feel in. Please, listeners, if you disagree with me on this, let me know, please. Um, but I don't really feel like we're in a position where I feel like we, you know, maybe this is my lack. Maybe we haven't worked hard enough to develop a community around mm. us. But I don't feel I like mean, I'm the focal point of enough people's interest to be a community in that <laughs> sense, you know? So so it, it was certainly, it was interesting to listen to. But again, in terms of takeaways, there were some. And that was probably the biggest takeaway that I I had, but some of the other stuff I sort of thought, this is not applicable to my situation. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think individual, I mean, I think it's very hard for individual podcasters to get a community in that sort of sense. It's sort of like a, you know, on Facebook, they have podcast groups uh, where listeners and podcasters come together and they discuss things and that sort of stuff. And I feel like that is more of the community. I mean, I could be wrong, but uh, I mean, I have my own. I have a listeners group that I'm involved with uh, people from my podcast as well. So if that's what they mean by community, then sure. Um, but I don't know. I've never done a live show. So, and I probably will never do a live show. I make way too many bloopers. And now this is just a transition between two parts of our conversation that were interrupted by the computer being weird. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Friday night, we all went to a bar probably what did no, we do we no went we went to, the, to a museum, uh, museum and drank yeah, yeah. <laughs> well we went to the pub and then for dinner, yeah, for and, dinner. Then yeah. and then we went to the reception at the natural museum of natural history or natural history museum of, at harvard which was very fun is the peabody anthropology and oh yes of course it was not <laughs> the natural <laughs> history <laughs> museum and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was some disagreement where, where to go and ryan was very smug yeah there's two different buildings and i tried to lead you all to the right way and nobody wanted to listen to me because we were reading the program which said the other thing but anyway <laughs> but it was very Just fun call it intuition <laughs> <laughs> it was very fun and enjoyable yeah. Yeah, it was just a good networking, chatting mm -hmm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, yeah, it was fun to like just converse with everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, and fine. Especially, um, there's quite a bit of podcasters that I got to talk to that I only know from like Facebook yeah. Yeah. podcasting groups. So that was cool. Yeah. I, f I feel like I feel like I learn. It's not even. I feel like some of the best parts of the weekend weren't even things that you learned from the talks or the panels. It was the community yes as, and I'm, we talked about this quite a bit mm. at when we actually recorded <laughs> before how podcasting can be lonely mm -hmm. and the fact that you other people are doing it and you are socializing with them it, that, that was my best take out of the weekend um yeah. yeah also just talking to other people who also cared about it because i think one of the things is most of mm -hmm. the time i don't can't talk to people about podcasting in my life because they don't they don't know about it and they don't care in a, mm -hmm. They might care in a general sense, but they don't care about the details. Mm -hmm. So just being able to talk to people who also are interested in this thing, like not necessarily the topic, but in podcasting, it was just nice. Just being able to sort of talk about it and not be f constantly apologizing for talking about this thing nobody else knows about. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. 
All right. So Saturday, Saturday was a day that was open to the public and everybody was giving individual panels. And then there were a number of keynotes. Yeah. So to start the day, there were, I guess, two. I don't know. None of us went to the keynotes. So there's really no point in us talking about it. Right, Ryan? You didn't go to the opening keynotes either? No. There was, yeah. There was just the one keynote. That's right. Yeah. It was raining yeah. in the morning. And... I was out too late the night before. <laughs> yeah. I was. It was a slow moving morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was It was neat. DeMeo of uh, Memory Palace. Right, in the morning. And I'm sure it was very good. We just made an executive decision that we were not going to try to get there for that. <laughs> but there was, at 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. uh, the start of the various... Panels. Uh, oh, no, talks. Talks, talks yeah. yeah. So I went and saw the history footnoting talk um, with Christine and Elizabeth, and they talked about how they link their episodes to either current ones that they're doing or ones that they've already released to current events and the way they sort of find a connection between things without trivializing either the modern or the historical event, but find ways of making the connection so that other people can make that connection and find their information interesting. And so that was interesting just to hear what they'd done, but it was also actually quite useful as a way to think about not just publicizing and drawing an audience, but also making what you're doing relevant in a way that it not just because you want to get people to come and listen, but you want what you say to mean something to them. So find using the connection to pop culture or to current events as a way into the information that you have to give them. Right. And I thought that was very useful. And you, Mark, where did you go? I went to uh, Doug Metzger's oh, yeah. talk, What English Departments Leave Out. And I think the main thing that I took away, which is not necessarily... The, the main, main thing, point he made. Main point he was making, but the, I think the main thing that I took away from that was it was almost like a a call to action, mm-hmm. and so I found it very inspiring. As you know, I I sort of came out of that thinking, yeah, all riled up, <laughs> yeah. So so I think that's a very positive mm-hmm. thing to take away there. But I mean, I guess one of the things that he touched on that I I, I really understood where he was coming from is um, you know this intense specialized reading that you do and as a graduate student you know kind of drilling down i think the the metaphor he uses with like drilling down on this you know tiny point while there's this you know whole world of tempting literature out there mm-hmm. that you um, don't read that you don't read mm-hmm. and not only is it sort of tempting and exciting uh but he he also made the point that in a lot of ways you know it's maybe more relevant um and and he used this you know the specific example of the the field that he was trained in Mm -hmm. um you know american literature i guess of the 18th 19th century that what they knew was you know they had a that you don't that you don't read in what your own authors read read yeah Yeah. And, and so they knew you know they had this intense knowledge of the bible but when you study in an English department, you know, American literature, that doesn't you don't get covered in the same time way. on the Bible. Yeah. And as he was, you know, careful to point out, it's not that he had, that he disagreed with the value of, you know, literary theory and all of these things that they do make you read in, in a graduate program, but that doing that at the expense of other stuff is maybe problematic Probably. and certainly not as enjoyable as being able to cast your net more more widely Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so i you know that that resonated with me it's interesting because that's a very specific call to action for other people who are in an english department which is you yeah 
but, <laughs> but I mean, as a call to action to a bunch of podcasters, podcasters. who yeah. have no ability to affect uh, English. I'm not in any way saying he shouldn't, but you know, it's just sort of an interesting. It obviously links to his podcast, which well, is yeah. about filling those gaps. Filling English departments leave out. That was the that's the, what he that, what he was focusing on, and that that, that his moment, podcast didn't but... fill the gaps. Is the point? So, yes, yeah. and and yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's very interesting. One day when he finally gets there. <laughs> no, well, he is filling the gap. He's starting with the things yep. that influence the people who influence the people who influence the people who influence exactly. the authors you want to read. It's very simple. <laughs> well, I mean, it's that thing where, where you start reading a thing and, and you think, oh, but, what oh came but to really understand this, you've got to read the thing that lies behind mm -hmm. it. So you go read that. Oh, but to really understand that, you've got to and read it's, this. It's, other it's funny thing. because you and know, pretty as, soon you're reading Gilgamesh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the, the end of that. <laughs> um, I mean, the funny thing about that is uh, that true. in you know because of the field I'm in, we do that as a matter of course. Right. We read Latin poetry, and everybody expects us to read what as much of what survives of what they read right. as we can. So nobody would expect that you could re read Virgil. And talk about Virgil without having read Homer. Right. Yes. You would be considered. That would be absurd. Like, if, just yeah. what is your point and what yeah. are you talking about? Mm -hmm. uh, and we can't read everything he read because we don't it doesn't it. survive. But we yeah. spend hours trying to. So, but of course, that becomes exponentially harder the further you go forward in literature. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, it's all very well to do that as a Latinist. <laughs> this but... is why I like the early Middle Ages. Because, you know. Literacy was nice and you know, contains yeah. not enough people were writing. And we know exactly what <laughs> manuscripts they had. So. They had access to it, so you could just get it right it's, straight. It's yeah. pretty limited. <laughs> and what did what did you go to first, uh, Ryan? I went to uh, Zoe Contis from Lutet. She gave a talk. Um, she's a Greek archaeologist, and she gave a talk on artifacts that are that have been formally displayed in major U.S. museums, and she talked about a few things at the MFA since we were in Boston, as well as at the Met mm -hmm. and the Getty and a few other places. And then she also talked about uh, these that have been exposed as forgeries and then some, shall we say, questionable objects that are still on display today, and she talked about that sort of stuff. And it was pretty fascinating. I'm not an archaeologist, but I have a vague uh, familiarity with Greek architecture sculpture and that sort of stuff um but a few of these i had you just learn about these objects i i didn't know much about the mm -hmm. the history of the op of the object and some of the fakes um and mm -hmm. yeah it was fascinating uh it was really it was a uh, very visual lots of images as you would as you would expect it was it was pretty good am going to now be a little more skeptical when I look at certain objects in museums now and be like, hmm, I wonder if this is a real thing, especially when they don't have provenance or anything on their labels other than like found in Greece, yeah, when... <laughs> acquired yeah. from so-and-so auction. <laughs> it's like, from a private collection. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, mm -hmm. I'll be a little more skeptical now. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a big, uh, that's a really big in the news thing with those um, Dead Sea Scrolls. From yes, the, that's the right. Museum of the Bible, right yeah, now. Yeah, but yeah. And that there was a publication. There was Brill put out a whole book on it, didn't they? Or are I think they are putting, are putting one out. out. I oh, think okay. that's why the petition that's saying this don't petition do it to, yeah. to kill the book. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. When I saw that uh, that talk uh, in the list or whatever, mm -hmm. um, I was quite 
interested in that, but it, I didn't go to it. So it's mm-hmm. good to hear about it. It's yeah. good to hear about it. Yeah. You can listen and to it in was... a few weeks, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And that's the thing. We will uh, put post links uh, to places where you can see whatever was filmed once they've processed it all and put it up. But it's going to take... take a while because this yeah. must have a ton of data. I know. It's ridiculous <laughs> the amount of material it must have because they were filming it should be noted if we hadn't already that there was way too many cool talks and not enough yeah. time slots and like it's there was like two yeah. there was a there were several ones that had three or four maybe even five i think they had like 10 going at one time right or was it eight yeah and then well, i think maybe like, eight talks and then there was like workshops and other things going on at the same time too yeah it was too much like I made sure to go to all the classics uh, talks because I just I thought those were going to be the underrepresented of all of the other stuff just because mm-hmm. it's classics <laughs> and yeah and I yeah. went to some of them but sometimes yeah. I there was some other stuff I had to had to or really wanted to go to yeah <laughs> then there was lunch and you went to the, the and so Eric, Mark and I interviewed um, Kevin we went and had some food and then we interviewed Kevin Stroud. Oh, or no, so. we interviewed him first, and then we went and had lunch. Yeah, that's right. uh, from the History of English podcast. So we skipped out on the the mid morning um, main stage, the main keynote, yeah, which was Dan Carlin. You went to that though, Ryan. I did go to that. It was uh, it was very good. Dan is a very charismatic guy, uh, as you can. I mean, he you have to be in order to do six hour long podcasts and have millions of people listen to them. <laughs> or however many he has. It was very fascinating. It was just a Q&A. Um, I mean, they had an initial discussion, and then he took questions from the audience that varied, or they varied from how, um, what, what what was it like starting the podcast in the early days because he got in there very early, and then there's very specific questions about like World War II history because mm-hmm. he did a series on that. Yeah, it was good. Um uh, it, it should be noted though Zach was talking when he asked Dan to come to this. Dan was very Carlin. Dan Carlin was very enthusiastic, and he was so for it. And as soon as Dan said yes, everybody else came. Right. <laughs> everybody uh, else jumped onto it. Yeah. So it was kind of like that domino effect. So it was because people were like, "I want to come see," or Dan Carlin's here. Oh, yeah, it, now it, I'm definitely coming. It um, gave it legitimacy so he, <laughs> for people, I'm sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, it's huge that he got that in the first conference. Mm-hmm. Someone of his stature. And by the time they found that out, it was a lot of people wanted to come. A lot of other podcasters even wanted to come and they, they just couldn't, they couldn't make it fit into their schedule on such short notice. Mm-hmm. And so every, it seems like there's going to be a lot of buzz for next year as well. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, you be. could see, you could see the amount of times they kept changing the schedule because they kept adding people. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is the thing. It's one of the, I mean, obviously I wanted to go to this for lots of reasons, but I do think there is going to be a whole lot more people who come next year, uh, I suspect. And I think there's going to be, comp- unless they, I mean, they can't increase, just increase the panels exponentially. No, no. I think there's, there's going to be there. more yeah. competition, for lack of a better word, for slots, yep. you know, and bigger podcasters and people with more clout in the industry and stuff will probably end up getting some of those. And I don't be great. Like, I understand it. That's how it works. But I think being able to come this year as independent podcasters was, a, was important be, yeah. to, and because we got to get to come this year and present. And then also because it means we presented in the first year and we're part of this, yeah. we got in on the ground floor mm. and you know, yes, other bigger names will be there next year, but 
I feel like it's it'll be easier to try to kind of wedge ourselves in still and still be part of it as more than just an audience. Right. Because we were able to be part of it this year. Yeah. Now, I I know that Zach and Doug and Joseph want to be as inclusive as possible, but there are just going to be limits on mm-hmm. what they can do just because of, you know, if it was this crowded this time, mm-hmm. just think what it's going to be next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, It's going to have to be three days, probably. I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Then and then there were some various things in the afternoon. I don't know. I think maybe we shouldn't try to go through every single thing. Was Was there a particular highlight of the afternoon for you, Ryan? Other than your own talk, we'll come back to that. In a <laughs> Giant ants. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think we happen to be all in the same talks for the most part. Yeah, that's true. In the afternoon, um, yeah. I went to, to a I'm different sure. one in the first slot. slot yes. But yeah, after that, I think we were. Mm-hmm. And then, to yeah, the even you were with me. You were with me for Rob's yeah. of History in the Making, right? Yeah. When he talked about Athens, I thought that was actually really well done. Yeah, he did a good um, job. It, so that's the history in the making podcast. Yeah, he did a good job, sort of yeah. crafting a talk that had a point to it. Yeah, and it was good. He started out very biblical, and I was like, "How is he going to connect this to ancient Athens?" <laughs> yeah, but he did it. It, it was pretty. It. it was it was very well. I'm not going to spoil it. I'll let people go and listen to it. But it was. Uh, I was very. I was like, "Hmm, this is this is curious." Mm-hmm. He's yeah. He's a good. He's a good storyteller. He. I mean, he likes to fashion himself as like a like in the in the style of Dan Carlin, Mm -hmm. and I've been pretty and I've helped him quite a bit with a lot of the ancient Athens stuff and giving him sources and stuff because that was just one season of his podcast. He does a lot of other stuff, other different histories. Yeah, I I thought that. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. And then, of course, your guys' talk was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Um, it was it was cool to. essentially see an episode in person <laughs> although you although you didn't get to uh cover all the colors mm-hmm. and all the information that mark probably wanted to cover as well. <laughs> i mean we both had stuff we didn't get to but yes mark had lots of okay. stuff he didn't yeah. get to <laughs> <laughs> you, but you guys have another uh, episode or you guys already have an episode about that so yeah we actually have a colors. we have a whole series, series on colors we did yeah. i mean that's the thing we had we had like an individual episode on almost mm-hmm. all of those colors sure and then colors, we tried yeah. to pull the highlights mm-hmm. together for a 20 minute talk so it was doomed to failure from the very start <laughs> there was no question about that um yeah what colors did you guys end up covering it was black, black white, white red and very blue. briefly and blue. blue yeah yeah okay yeah but um, yeah, that's lots of things to say about this. But that's okay. It was it was fine. Yeah. We we knew that would happen, and and uh, I think we managed to hit on some fun things people didn't mm-hmm. know, which was that was really what we were hoping to get across was some some things that would surprise mm-hmm. people about where words came from or what they meant. Um, well, and I enjoyed your talk, of course, Ryan. Which was I really liked the tie. <laughs> Thank you. Um, of like here's why Herodotus is interesting and here's how it influenced my, the way I do my podcast. And mm-hmm. I, I love the, the, your, your characterization of, of Herodotus as that guy at the bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I don't know what this says about me, but I think I would love that guy. <laughs> well, yeah. This is maybe not a, a positive reflection on my, my personality or not, but I would just love that guy. Well, Mark, on, Mark, on Saturday night, you became that guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's the guy at the bar who has stories to tell, but they're interesting stories. Yeah. That's the key, right? That's there's the also key. There's another guy at the bar 
who has stories to tell. And they're all about how his truck got stuck in a ditch one time. <laughs> and that's the guy that you don't want to get stuck sitting next no, to. No, you want to get you want stuck the guy... with the guy who tells you about giant ants exactly. who dig for gold. <laughs> and you're like, you sit there going, sure, buddy. I'm sure, you know, I know you're making this up, but just keep going because it's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we, yeah, then we bet went motored over to our talk and we did our talk. And then, then we split up again. I went off to you, you Ryan and I went to listen to uh, Rhiannon Evans talk about Emperors of Rome podcast. And Mark, you went to um, Kevin's. Kevin's. Yeah. And before that, you'd gone, I'd to, gone to Mignon's uh, talk in the first slot, the grant when we were at yeah. uh, Rob Simpson, yeah. which was a great sort of defense of descriptivism. Right, which is nice. I, yeah, before great. we met her, I wasn't sure because, you know, she's grammar girl and she gives tips on how to write better. And I thought, oh, is she going to be all about like pedantry and mm -hmm. judging other people's grammar? And stuff? That's exactly <laughs> the, the perception that she addressed is right. like, you probably would expect me to. And, you know, that's when she, you know, pulled out the giant red pen. The inflatable red, red pen. pen. <laughs> uh, no, but so it was brilliant. It was really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, I don't know, Brian. Did you see the pictures of her with her inflatable red pen and her pet peeve? I didn't see the pictures. Are they on Mark's social media or yeah, is this somewhere they are. Yep. else? Yeah. I don't remember if I put them up. Yeah, I think I might, they might have been in the no. set I put up on Facebook too. I'm not sure. Yeah, they're they're entertaining. And then we, yeah, so we went to Rhiannon Evans, and I, th I thought her talk was. I mean, there was a nice theme. One of the ones we didn't touch, didn't mention was uh, after Robert. Robson's and before Ryan, there was um, Drew and I don't remember his last name from the way home. The road to self improvement is the way home. The way home is the road to self improvement. The self improvement is the way home. Anyway, there's a it's a podcast about 18th century American history, and he talked like the footnote history people about how to tie modern events to historical precedents. So there was like a theme there. Mm -hmm. And then when we went and talked to Savienne talking, she was also talking about the sort of dangers of making drawing parallels between the ancient world and the modern world, but also the, the advantages of it, but like how you have to be nuanced about it and sensible. And the line they kind of try to walk with the podcast of, she said, everybody always wants her to say what Roman emperor Trump is like. And she doesn't want to do that. That's too fat. Mm -hmm. She thinks that the comparison is facile and you lose nuance on both ends. You lose a full understanding of each. But on the other hand, everybody wants to do it. And so she kind of talked about how that works. And I thought that was really interesting. So there's a kind of a, a, a theme through a lot of the panels that I saw. And uh, Mark, what was the other one? You I said? was at Kevin Stroud's right. talk, which I, th I think was the most brilliantly structured of all of the Saturday talks that I went to. It was quite formal, right? Like it, it was, was formal. Not, he, so he, he was reading from a script. Mm -hmm. And what he did is he told the, the history of the English language from the perspective of one word. Mm -hmm. And so he started with the word in its Proto-Indo-European root and sort of touched on different stages as the word developed. And don't give away the ending. Yeah, yeah don't give away the spoiler ending because it might be on, uh, yeah. you can go watch it, right? So. Yeah. And so he touched on all these various different, you know, derivatives of that word and how they Connected gave some the clue about some point, the, what yeah. was happening in the history of the language at that particular time. And then he ended with a modern 
Very relevant. Very relevant derivative of the word. And there was an audible gasp in the room when he said that word. And everyone <laughs> went, Because oh. it was so it was It was perfect. like, it was so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we managed any audible gasps. No. no. <laughs> I got some, you know, pleased nods, but right. yeah, no audible yeah. gasps. <laughs> and it was just so perfect. We did get laughter, yeah. yeah. You got some laughter. <laughs> It was it was a brilliant talk. So yeah, yeah it was thoroughly enjoyable and uh, yeah, just so well constructed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's what his podcast has always been good. But as he, he's been progressing through it, you know, the last twenty or thirty episodes, the ones that have gotten really thematic. Yeah, he does a real. He just like they are so well formed. Formed, yeah. Um, yeah. And he does Absolutely. such a good job of weaving the story together and. Yeah, so I'm. I mean, I'm not surprised, but it's. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't see it. <laughs> it so was, I will. I it will. was an experience. It was. Yeah, it was. I wonderful. will try to catch it later. Yeah. And then I guess there was one last keynote, which I also failed to go to. I was really bad at keynotes <laughs> <laughs> because I was. We were coming back from Rhiannon's talk, and I was slow and tired. And I just by the time I got back, she'd gone a little late. It was already happening, and I just sat in the hallway and talked to Rhiannon and her husband instead. But you went to that one too, Ryan, didn't you? You were so good. You attended everything. <laughs> I kind of went to that one. <laughs> right. I got I got there very late. Uh, I got I got there towards the tail end. You went. You guys all went to one right. more talk than I did yesterday. Yeah. So or on that Saturday because I had right. to fran right. frantically get ready for mine. <laughs> so technically, I'm not that good. <laughs> But yeah, I went. Um, I got to the tail end of it. It was just Zach right, okay. making his closing remarks. It wasn't anything. I mean, Zach's a good speaker. It was great, but right, he was but wrapping it wasn't up. Anything, yeah, like, it wasn't like a. Up, yeah. But I was there through the the whole thing. Oh wait, the, Mark, the you were there. That's yeah. right. Sorry. So it was um, Juleka Lantigua Williams. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't. I hadn't been previously familiar with her work, so I didn't know all of the details about the specific project that she was using as the sort of example, mm -hmm. but it had to do with, you know, looking at the perspective of Americans who have a criminal record and, you know, what that means. Mm -hmm. But again, it was a kind of call to action. So the point of it all was about podcasting with intentionality. Right, so really right. thinking about what you're doing when you make a podcast, you know, what is the purpose of it? Mm. Who is your audience? Mm. You know, what are you trying to achieve? What will you do if you get this result from it and so forth? Right, right. And again, I found that kind of inspiring and mm -hmm. thought provoking. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was it was a good talk. Right. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, I'm glad you were there to observe it for us. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all went to the party. <laughs> Ryan, you never did get to the other party you were supposed to go to, did you? You had you had you had a conflict. You had too many no, places to be. Too many people who wanted to see you. <laughs> yeah, I and yeah, <laughs> it was not yeah. after I started oh, at one. I was not leaving. <laughs> it went down. Yeah, I was at a bar, quickly. and the first round was free, <laughs> and there was food. I realized afterwards that that was the entirety of the food I ate. Of course, all night was three was pieces, three squares of. I just had three squares of pizza. Oh, that's I all had, I had. I loaded my plate up kind of high. No, I, I still one plate, but you know, yeah, I had three plates, <laughs> three pieces, three little squares of flatbread. They were very good, mm. but um, yeah, <laughs> it's not a full meal. I had two, so <laughs> that's a, 
<laughs> oh yeah. I blame, I blame it on Mark. Uh, <laughs> I, I, t- I tell everyone it was it was it was the linguist. They fault. do lead one astray. I I have long long experience of that. Linguists lead you far far astray. <laughs> but there was there was the mojito in particular, wasn't it? That you found nostalgic. Not a mojito, but the mojitos. <laughs> yes. Mm. <laughs> I I worked my way. Th- I didn't work my way through the whole cocktail menu but there were three interesting cocktails that i tried of theirs and then i just switched to negronis and had negronis and the bartender the guy who'd written the cocktail menu was quite pleased that i ordered a negroni and we talked about negronis and other and bitters and things like that for a little while later on when it got a little quieter but yeah so we just that was it was very fun party it was yeah and i I got to i met you know people that night that mm-hmm. I hadn't yep. met before in the conference. So it was really, you know, mm-hmm. valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there was 140 ish podcasters there. That's not, uh, yeah, that's not including people who, yeah, the audience. So it's obviously I, there's still some people there that I didn't get to meet because, you know, there's just too many people and not enough time. But yeah, I met some more people and had some, fun and conversations while while the band was playing jazz covers of Beatles songs quite loudly so you know it was a lot of yelling Um, (laughs) I felt so bad for Kevin who whose voice was trash buddy well it was it was it was starting to go he was already sucking on a cough lozenge by like the beginning of the party (laughs) and by the end of it it hurt to listen to him because it sounded so much like it was hurting so much yeah but he said when I asked him the next day on Twitter, he said that he it was it had recovered by the afternoon enough that he was speaking, which is good because, you know, a whole bunch of <laughs> podcasters who went to three nights in a row of really loud, loud situations, yelling situations. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're all supposed to be using our voices very carefully, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. And Doug was finally released from his yeah. duties enough to come and kick back a little and yeah. chat a bit and. Have a drink, which was good. Yeah. That was probably my favorite part of the night. Just watching Doug in his natural habitat. Release. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and t- we talked to, um, by that point, Ryan Paulson of Lexitecture had had to go back, yeah. though we saw him on the Thursday night, which was nice. But Amy was still there and I got, I sat and chatted mm-hmm. with, talked to her for quite a while. And yeah, it was just. Uh, it, was a, it was a perfect way to, to end the conference uh, and just, you know. I regretted it on Sunday, but yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> yeah, Sunday was a little rough. Um, I, yeah, I regretted only having two little mini pizza, yeah. pizza squares. That's it. If there'd been more food involved on Saturday night, I think I would have been in a much better state on Sunday. But who knows? <laughs> but fortunately, you did get your microphone back, so yeah. that was important. I did. I did. I could barely keep my eyes open on the Uber ride to go get it, but I got my microphone back. It's <laughs> good. I'm glad. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I mean, the final takeaway, I think we've said over and over again was... It was super useful. And, and it was super invigorating. And yeah. I learned inspiring. a lot. And yeah, I was inspired and re-energized mm-hmm. about the project. And, you know... It's worth doing. It's and worth it's doing. Worth and doing yeah. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my one strongest desire is that the connections that we made not just slip away. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that can happen if you don't have any reason to coalesce around it for all the good intentions everybody had of, in meeting and everything, but and, and particular connections and some of the conversations that got started at some of the panels and things like that. I think I need to make a, an intentional 
effort yes. yeah. to to make sure that those connections strengthen rather than weaken and not just, you know, by liking their tweets on Twitter. <laughs> Something a little more than that. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not going to do that, but just not only, only that. that right. Well, and you can also listen to their podcast, the new podcast oh, as well, right. and give them those downloads. <laughs> I think I have like 10 new ones. I mean, more than 10, but I mean like different. Well, we'll see. I, yeah, I've got a lot. I've got a lot more that I'd like to uh, listen to an episode of. I purse that I haven't pulled out and sorted yet. So how did this um, sound education conference uh, compare to VidCon for you guys with the caveat that it was its first installment? Well, compared to EduCon. So we went yeah, to VidCon. that would be the fair comparison. We went to Vid oh, okay. VidCon is sort of the big YouTube thing and it was overwhelming and mm -hmm. terrifying in various ways and interesting too. Mm -hmm. But the one day before it was EduCon, which like sound education was the first time that it happened. Yeah. EduCon was the first one mm -hmm. and it was only educational video people. And it was a day of panels, not talks, but panels and community building. So in many ways, mm -hmm. very, very similar, similar. to, yeah. you know, and put together by members of the community and mostly independent video makers rather than people who are with any kind of bigger companies. So I think the comparison was actually mm -hmm. in the same way. I think the biggest thing I felt was the, oh, my goodness, you go through this too. Oh, my goodness. It's so nice to be talking to someone who cares about this element <laughs> and the making connections to people and meeting people in real life whom I'd seen online only. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that was the best part of Educon, and we walked, we came out of it really inspired. Yeah. So I think in that sense, it was very similar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It This one was more formal and longer, more formal in like a sort of more academic-y formal in some ways, and it mm -hmm. just went on longer. The Educon yeah. was only so one day. it was day. more There was more just more it. stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A wider, in some ways, a wider range of types of things going on. Well, yeah, just a wider range of types of creators, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, and there was mm -hmm. there were more concurrent events, things yeah. going on at uh, mm -hmm. Sound Education. The other thing about Educon was it was specifically not open to the public. Yes, because some of the quite big creators were there, and they did not want to be dealing with fans yeah so you know? it was it yeah it was completely restricted to people who did educational videos mm -hmm. and it was invitation only and invitation only so yeah. and, you know that was a different so it was very much about just the community of makers which was good for that context because you could then have real conversations with mm -hmm. and people. the people who who find it in that context hard to be sort of normal people because they are too well-known and there are too many people who want their time or able to participate. Uh, I didn't find that was a problem at sound education. You know, some people mm -hmm. had more fans than others, but mm -hmm. it was not a problem. But I suppose that may be something that will, if more and more big names come, it not could, that they'd have to make it. It could be a problem down the not, road. You know, they may have to, like VidCon didn't used to have to segregate its no, video yeah, creators. No, increased over the years. Because um, so. VidCon itself, like anyone who was presenting on any of the panels was shepherd around the whole place behind curtains like they were never allowed to be out in public they had to be always behind restricted zones so that no riots occurred one day i'll get to that level <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i think it's gonna be a while before the podcast world is quite like that but <laughs> i suppose it's possible in the long run one day <laughs> so yeah no that's a good it was a good comparison though i think because they they were both sort of an attempt to start to mark out territory in the wider medium video or podcasting that is specific to 
educational content and to start to say, do we have particular problems or do we have particular concerns or community issues as an educational community that it's worth us talking about together? Mm-hmm. You know, both events were, were, that was the sort of driving force behind them, I think. And uh, it shows something about where the media, the two media are in terms of how they're developing that these both happened this year. So, yeah. It was an experience. Uh, it's really hard to put into words. I mm-hmm. it was just uh, at least erudite words. It was it was it was. Uh, <laughs> well, I learned quite a bit from other pa- podcasters, but also as you mentioned, it just it. I'm just more rejuvenated now because I kind of hit a uh, uh, a rut this past year in terms of my podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, most people won't know that, <laughs> but I kind of just hit a rut, and I feel kind of. I mean, we'll we'll see if that lasts, but I feel rejuvenated now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, not physically. I'm starting to get a cold. <laughs> yeah, physically I'm a wreck, yeah. but, but yeah. emotionally I feel rejuvenated. Yeah, yeah. Once I feel better, I'll be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna knock out. I'm gonna knock out all these episodes mm-hmm. like I did in the first year of my podcast. But you know, uh, it was, and I'm excited to actually. I haven't really thought about it yet. I thought I was gonna do it on the plane ride home, but you know, I was still kind of frankly hung over from the night before <laughs> um but i haven't really sat down and and my and just got back from work and but i haven't really sat down and put down a pen to paper or really processed like how i'm going to implement things that mm-hmm. i've learned yet quite yet mm-hmm. um that'll probably be something that'll happen a little later once you decompress from it i'll probably you know go back and listen to some of the other panels that i missed as when that one's finally ready but you know trying to implement some of the stuff you learned because you know in the moment some of this stuff uh might not seem relevant but it could you never mm-hmm. you never know where it's going to sp- where it's going to spark ideas later yeah exactly um because i'm more i've always i've been so i've been so interested in how <laughs> the way i've been improving my podcast has just been a natural uh evolution um mm-hmm. oh this this sucked or this didn't work or this was you know, and there hasn't been a whole lot of emulating from other people, um, for better or worse. That I mean, I mean, it's it's good in the sense that I've comp- I feel like I've done a lot of uh, unique stuff um, because I'm not emul- I'm not styling myself off of other people. But at the same time, it's it's good to like look and see what other people are doing, and then mm-hmm. you know trying to improve what you're already doing um, mm-hmm. with while staying true to what it is that you already do. Yeah, yeah basically, if you see something and think, oh. I didn't know I wanted to do that, but I do, or, oh, this is like what I'm doing, but I could do it better this other way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. that, that doesn't mean you're copying someone else or whatever. It just means you're mm-hmm. learning. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kevin mm-hmm. really made me want to raise my game. Yeah. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's good. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. On that note, I think we should uh, let us all go and get some of this rest we also <laughs> desperately need. <laughs> So I have one last question. Okay. Ryan, did your shoes survive? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yes, I have to rebuff them pretty bad this week. Luckily, I have a few weeks until I have to wear them again. But they'll be okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> These were your your yeah, your work shoes as it were. <laughs> yeah. My my very my very very nicely buffed Air Force shoes. 
I had a fun weekend, and this is a fun conversation rehashing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah thanks for joining us and uh, talking about it because uh, I thought yeah. it was nice to decompress and and yes, talk about and it sort actually. of reabsorb that you know the stuff that you learn at the time and you sort of take it in, but getting to reabsorb it is, I think, really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wish we could have finished this conversation in <laughs> person because yeah. it's fun to be part of it in person. But and at least we got a little bit of a little bit of in time uh, yeah. in person. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll do it again next yeah. year. Next year. Next year, we'll plan a, a little more time to, to sit and chat. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan. Again, his podcast, if by any strange chance you don't know it, is The History of Ancient Greece, and it is very good indeed. Thanks to Ryan for joining us. Thanks, Ryan. And we will be back soon. In our next episode, it will be yet another interview that we recorded at the conference. So the next one is with Kevin Stroud of the History of English podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit more of a focused uh, discussion about his podcast and what he does. Again, if you don't listen to that podcast, I don't know what you're doing with your time, (laughs) but it is fabulous. So we'll be back quite soon. Hopefully that will be out in a week or two because we want to, we have it and we'd like you to hear about it while we're still fresh from this conference. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. For more information on this podcast, check out our website, www.alliterative.net, where you can find links to the videos, blog posts, sources, and credits, and all our contact info. And please check out our Patreon, where you can pledge to support this show and our video project. You can go directly to the videos at youtube.com alliterative. Our email is on the website, but the easiest way to get in touch with us is Twitter. I'm at Avensara, A-V-E-N-S-A-R-A-H. And I'm at Alliterative. To keep up with the podcast, subscribe on your favorite podcast app or to the feed on the website. And if you've enjoyed it, consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps us a lot. We'll be back soon with more musings about the connections around us. Thanks for listening. Bye.